So, we may have lost 45 minutes of recording. So, what we're going to do, <laughs> I apologize. The batteries went out and then for some reason it didn't record it. <sighs> so, we've been waxing nostalgic about video games nigh 45 minutes. And uh, it's all gone. It's all gone. So, we have what, 20 minutes? Let's go 20 minutes. 20 okay. minutes right now. Let's. Let's talk about the most nostalgic games that we can. I'm going to see if I can recapture or find that lost recording. So hit me with <laughs> the most nostalgic game you got. Dude. My spirits are crushed right now. So are mine. All that momentum, gone. Well, I think we were definitely getting most excited and passionate about Halo. We were. So first off, I would just like to reiterate about how Halo united different cliques, different social groups. You could be the cool guy at school, the jock. You know, you could be Caleb Fulmer. Everyone loves you. Everyone wants to be you. <laughs> and I was telling Dev how it's amazing how, because he seemed, he seemed surprised that the jocks were so good at Halo, but if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. They took all that athleticism from the gridiron and they just transferred it over to sniping. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't over that. And to capture the flag on Blood Gulch. So it makes perfect sense, but you have this unique. <laughs> you have this unique capability with the Xbox, <laughs> where you could link systems. So you had in one room a TV with an Xbox, in another room a TV and Xbox, another room TV and Xbox, up to sixteen players. And on a Friday night, Saturday night, you would have the jocks, you'd have the skaters. You'd have the just the dweebs, the Dungeons and Dragons kids. Like we, I I loved playing Dungeons and Dragons actually. And you could just have different groups, social groups. They all got together to play Halo. Usually, it was capture the flag, Blood Gulch snipers, capture the flag, longest only shotguns, hang 'em high rockets. Hang them high, rockets. Up to 50 deaths, usually. Because deaths just happen so fast. You just you just basically turn and just pull the trigger. You get a couple deaths. So Halo, we have a lot of fond memories about Halo. Um, tell me of some of your, as a youth, as a lad, a, as a game that you saw... And you just fall in love with, for whatever reason, whether it was you were playing it or well, my teenage years, you'd was... watch your brother play it. Well, so we already talked about Resident Evil Two for me. I, I used to watch my brother Michael play Resident Evil Two all day long. Terrifying game. Did you ever watch him at night? Oh yeah, that's you'd have the best to play, time yeah, to you'd play. Yeah, you'd have to play Resident Evil at night. Yeah, no, that game was terrifying. And then uh... survival horror for people listening. A survival horror. You're just. It's a, like a zombie apocalypse, and you just have to survive. Solve puzzles and riddles that are really complicated. Well, and that was one of the points that you were making that was kind of cool about games like Resident Evil and Zelda and so forth, is that they incorporate this critical thinking aspect where you're not just mindlessly and passively playing a game. You actually have to think about yeah. the problems that you're trying to solve and you have to use critical thinking and really complicated puzzles in Resident Evil. Yeah. I mean, I remember some that just off the top of my head, you'd have to you'd have to get certain items and the way that you'd get each item would be you'd have to solve some complicated puzzle whether it would be and you wouldn't be like your hand wouldn't be held throughout Resident Evil. You'd have to figure things out. 
like you'd have to figure out oh so i have to set the the clock to a certain time and um then when i set it to a certain time you know you get a piece of a puzzle and then i have to organize something in a certain specific way in order for it to open up or to mm -hmm. there were just so many complicated things in that game and it was I, not only was it complicated but it was also terrifying yeah there's just something about zombie games zombie plots and everything like that i think they're extremely fascinating and the other thing too that i wanted to say just about our conversation with halo i'm going i'm backtracking a little bit because man that was it was a good 45 minutes of talk that we just lost. Maybe the best, actually. Deep video game talk. We went deep. But uh, the storyline of a video game, I think, is what makes a game amazing. And that's why, you know, Resident Evil 2, in terms of, like, plots, like a, a, a company, Umbrella, is doing underground chemical research and they develop this virus and because of unethical scientists unethical agencies that would abuse that somehow this virus ends up breaking and getting unleashed and you're just a cop first day on the job you show up in raccoon city and there's this crazy phenomenon of people that are zombies you know interesting fact i could insert right here they based Raccoon City off of Boulder, Colorado. Why? Is there any trivia to that? I didn't. I didn't know that. I don't. I don't know. What I mean, that is the trivia. What is? I've not. I don't know Boulder, Colorado. Oh, just a a mountain town. Trees all very forested. That's awesome. Beautiful and Raccoon City is just like that. It's Boulder, Colorado. Terrifying. Sweet plotline, great, great game, great memories. And that's the same thing with Halo. Halo has an amazing plotline. So it's not just about getting together with friends on a platform uh, where you're just fighting each other, but the plot of Halo, the story, is what I think makes the game that much cooler. Mm. Um, you know, this mysterious ring planet, you get attacked and your ship crash lands on this ring planet, and in your efforts to survive, you explore this planet, and then you find this fortress that, unbeknownst to you, is keeping this race of aliens called the Flood imprisoned. And you accidentally unleashed it, and then... And then the what we were talking about in that glorious 45 minutes that is probably lost I can't. that it's it's humans so in halo it's humans and the covenant which is an alien race which they're like humanoids humans and the covenant are enemies it's like orcs and humans are just enemies forever werewolves vampires enemies forever but in halo it was humans and the covenant but then when the flood get unleashed Humans and Covenant have to join together. The enemy of the en the enemy of my enemy is my friend, kind of, kind of idea. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I started laughing is I can't. I don't know if this is sacrilegious or not, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Oh, I can't believe it's like it's kind of like the lost manuscript. <laughs> Ow! I'm broken. It's gone. It's lost. Can't get it back. Oh, the 45 minutes. The 45 minutes is like the lost manuscript. It's true. It's true. There was great thoughts. Probably. And experiences. Dare I say even greater. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if, any, if anyone gets struck, I get, I'll get struck. Dude. I will, too. I started it. Shoot. Okay. Um, Give me another nostalgic. A game that gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling thinking about. Super Smash Brothers. Yes. I remember that commercial in fourth grade when that came out i loved super smash brothers for nintendo 64 but then my favorite and i even played the ones that are on the wii smash brothers melee on the gamecube was the best one that was the best one yeah Falco. the 64 one was revolutionary i loved that when that came out what character were you let me guess link 
I was all of them. I never really had a set character. Like some some people who played a lot, they had a set character that they just dominated. Like Dan was either I think Dan was Marth in Melee, and Eric was Roy, and they would just go at it and just have these epic fights. And um, I uh, liked Mario. I liked Doctor Mario, even though I'm not a huge fan we of Mario are we games. Strictly game, uh, game, the GameCube Melee one. Yeah. Okay. Who was your favorite? Uh, Falco. Oh yeah, Falco. I liked Star Fox actually. Star Fox. They're I, just really fast. Fox was my favorite in the 64 one, and I liked him in the GameCube one, but I just thought Falco. Why? Because he was just he had that kind of snarky just attitude. Sweet. Falco is just. Man. Do you like that kind of that sassy attitude that he had? No, I would have gone for Ganondorf if that was the kind of. Why Ganondorf? Because he's hot. Strong, masculine. He's definitely mask in the gay community. That he would be mask. What? That's, that's what they're known as. Mask in the gay community. A mask, a really masculine guy, a hot guy. I have never heard that expression mask. before. It's like I mean, it's like if somebody were to be into, like, really masculine men, instead of feminine men. Oh. Mask. Mask. That's yeah. the slang for it. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't and know Ganondorf, that. And Ganondorf, Ganondorf would be Mask. Well, Ganondorf was actually one of my favorite characters to play as, too. He's too big. Dude, if he... he too heavy. To punch, though, dude. Freaking... I cleaned house with Ganondorf. That is the kind of the kind of the give and take you have to... You have to weigh, right? Because he's slow. Well, he does But that. if he could Aww. hit you, then you're... <laughs> when he's punching, but... But he, he had this little, like, quick little punch that he did and that nailed people and then his down and b move where he does this like lightning bolt kick thing was savage mm. oh i yeah. loved smash brothers melee F- dr mario was one of my favorites too he was he was cool um i remember it okay so there was this epic moment one of probably probably the highlight of my life actually was i was playing I think it was Reese, and we were on Kirby's level, and on Kirby's level, the tree, there's a tree in the background, and sometimes it will blow wind, but sometimes apples will fall, and I remember being Dr. Mario, and I had an apple, right, and he was, Reese was really high in percentage, like really high, well over 100, so even the slightest hit would make him flying, and I grabbed one of those apples, (laughs) and I threw it at him. And as he was flying away, I said, an apple a day <laughs> keeps the doctor away. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. There were so many good levels on that game. I remember on Melee, when Melee came out, there was the Hyrule Temple. That, that had like three or four levels to it. Yeah, and it had the yeah, that level was sweet. Zelda music in the background. That game is so good. I wish I could get my hands on it again. So yeah, Smash. That's one that just that I put Smash Brothers actually not on like nostalgic or best pot lines or anything like that, but top five favorite video games of all time: Smash Brothers Melee. I loved that game. Loved that game. Let me tell a nostalgic one. So, Final Fantasy three on Super Nintendo. I remember seeing my older brother play that game, and um, his friend, a neighborhood kid, Geddes, one of the Geddes boys, and they were playing Final Fantasy III, and Final Fantasy III is an RPG, Japanese RPG, and it's just a really intricate story, beautiful music. It's considered, to this day, one of the best video games of all time. Number three, specifically? Yeah, and it was number three in the U.S., but it's number six, technically, in the series of Final Fantasy games. And that game, I remember watching my brother play that, thinking that this game is amazing. And then for my birthday, my grandma sent me some money. And with that money, I just went right over to the Geddes's and I bought Final Fantasy III on the Super Nintendo. And I remember playing that game. And the game is so, there's like 14 playable characters you begin with this character named Terra. She's like half Esper, which is like a magical creature, half human. 
she doesn't know what's going on you run into this character when she's running away she, you run into this character named Locke which I loved I wanted to be like Locke he was a thief he wore a cool bandana um, and then you just go on this long story you follow this long story which is like 30 40 hours long of a game Jeez. and it had beautiful music you know, it was just amazing. There was this character in it who's still, again, if, you, if you're if you nerdy like me and you look up, like, top ten best villains or best video games, in that game there's a villain named Kefka who is like unto Joker slash Hitler. And he wants to destroy all the magical creatures or use them for his dominating the world. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably... The that and Zelda are the most nostalgic games for me. Like Zelda, when I think about Zelda, just you're just this nameless boy who. Well, I guess you have a name. Your name's Link, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> but you're a nobody, right? And you get this sword, and then you just are forced on this quest to defeat evil and it's just amazing like you run into magical creatures you kill some of them some of them befriend you you have a magical flute you can play little ditties and just get transported (laughs) (laughs) just a wonderful thing man i love that and it has it's just a wonderful quest zelda just the first one classic link to the past you begin it's raining your uncle goes out. He's like, hey, Link, stay here for a bit. I got to go solve some problems. And then it, you wait a while. It's like, where's my uncle? And so you have to go find your uncle. You find your uncle. He's dying. He gives you his sword and his shield. And then it's just it's rock and roll after that. And you got to go save the princess, which is controversial these days. I don't think it should be. <laughs> what What could be better than for a little boy? To think like, you know what? I'd like to I'd like to rescue somebody. I'd like to rescue a girl. Cause who who do most boys wanna do that? They wanna rescue somebody that they care for who's in distress. And that's not to say I don't like games that uh have female leads. Tomb Raider, Lara Croft. It's gotta be my favorite. Samus <laughs> on Metroid. Joanna Dark. I, I wasn't huge into Perfect Dark. Ugh. Tell me about Perfect Dark real quick. Oh, again? You mean? <laughs> <laughs> or you can tell me about Streets of Rage. <laughs> Conversation's been had. It's uh, been ruined. Uh, it's been ruined. Just stay... I know that you think you're cool because you're married and you have, like, a family that loves you and cares for you and you have responsibilities and stuff, but stay just ten more minutes, okay? You can do that. Let me me set a timer. Okay, okay, set a timer. (laughs) Ten ten more minutes. Oh, no, dude, you're leaving at nine. Yeah, so I guess I have 20 minutes. Dang it. You have 19. Don't make your wife wait a minute longer than she needs to, okay? You get me into trouble with this podcast. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Sorry. I won't go controversial. But whenever you talk about video games, it gets a little controversial. Oh, yeah. So tell me about some... (laughs) (laughs) Talk talk to me about a nostalgic game that you haven't yet talked about. Look at your list. There's too many. Yes. You ever heard of the paradox of choice? The more choices you have, the least satisfied you are with the choice that you make. It's pretty self-evident. So so now I have this. (laughs) But listen. Don't joke. (laughs) Listen. So let's not cry over spilt milk. Okay. Okay, We lost 45 minutes, but you have like 45 games you can choose from in that list. Star Wars Battlefront 1 that came out in like 2015 or 2016. Why? That game got me through grad school. How so? Because graduate school, you know, here's one of the things, just as a little bit of a side note slash tangent thing. Students who are going undergrad right now 
and their teacher's like, yeah, I want you to write a 15-page double-spaced research paper that's due at the end of the semester, and I want you to read one chapter a book, 30 to 40 pages a week, and I want you to take tests and everything. And then you get these students that are like, don't do that pen thing. Dude. Sorry, sorry, I'll put it down. That pierced my soul. That now you know you have one. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> like true joy overcame your face. Uh, but keep going. You were talking about how, uh, I lost the my difference train between of thought. undergraduate. <laughs> the difference between undergraduates and graduates and graduate work. Because I'm in graduate school now. Okay. Oh, have you started? No. Oh. But I mean, I'm in it. You got accepted? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I think I did. You didn't. I told you. You applied. Oh my gosh. I told you I. Congratulations. I... Kevin's going to be a speech pathologist. All jokes aside, I think this is going to be one of the coolest things ever because my oldest son, Ethan, has autism. And the people that we are most grateful for. Um, because of their skill set, uh, they've helped Ethan with his speech. Uh, so speech pathologists, uh, physical therapists, and recreational therapists. Occupational, excuse me, not recreational. Occupational therapists. And you know what? Can I jump in real quick? Because that's all real sweet and everything, Devin. But <laughs> It's too bad you guys don't have, like, uh, cameras so you can't see. <laughs> The facial expressions but, and the mannerisms. But, listen, listen. Close your mouth it, before more crap rolls out of it. Here, here is a little, a little, uh, what is it called? Something that I just think, a little pet peeve. Speech pathologist. I don't like that term. So you have, you have a physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech pathologist. It's only in North America and Australia where they call them speech pathologists. In Britain, Ireland, and other English-speaking countries. Speech therapist. A speech and language therapist. Because you're not really a pathologist. You're not pathologizing. Because a pathologist, you see where, like, a disease or something begins, right? And then you see how how it carries on. If Dave Griffin's listened to this, he would uh, be able to correct me. But um, it's like, for example, stuttering. So David Crystal is this linguist. A legendary linguist and I'm just really echoing what he says but a stuttering for example we don't know how that has how that begins in the brain and a speech therapist certainly doesn't speech therapist isn't like you take you take neuroscience courses but you're not a neurologist you know you're not a neurophysicist neurophysicist or a neuroscientist yeah but um, so you have like kind of like introductory understanding of neuroscience, but it's not like a specialist who would be able to pathologize or like a forensic pathologist. So that's just a little bit of my uh, grievance with that a speech mm. therapist. Okay? okay, well that's all real interesting and everything, but <laughs> as I was saying, sorry, back to your son. <laughs> Go on. Anyway, you guys are going to be the people. Not only are you going to have an impact on the lives of the children that you provide therapeutic services to, it has a huge impact on the whole family. And I just think that's rad that you got in. And no, I had no idea that you got accepted. So that makes me really, really happy. Oh, thank you. You um, also didn't know I had a seizure, which we discussed. I did know you had a seizure. You just texted no, you it to me nonchalantly. You didn't believe me. I did not. I did not say I didn't believe you. You said, yeah, you did. You said, I did not. You said because it was so nonchalant, it was in a text. You weren't sure if what I said was a joke or yeah, not. Yeah, past tense. I figured it out very quickly that you were telling me the truth. Because I told you in person. No, you did not. Four weeks later. Today. No, you didn't. Didn't I tell you today? No, you never know, because you lost the first 45 minutes of our conversation tonight. So it's, it's gone. almost it's like erased. it never happened. <laughs> it's just gone. Disappeared. But I had a seizure. Vanished like a fart in the wind. Anyway, um... But thank you for saying those kind words. Yeah, no, I think that's freaking sweet, dude. But what really matters to me is what your next video game choice is going to be. Well, I still haven't even been able to finish my... Uh, your train of thought? 
graduate and undergraduate with students. Oh, right, right. Get back to that. Sorry. So I get a lot of flack from students because they get upset because I assign too much reading. Uh, How much are you assigning? One chapter a week. 40 pages. That's like six pages a day. Please. And that's too much homework and too much reading. Um, and the reason why, if, if any undergraduate students are listening and they get tired of their professors being jaded when students are like, oh, you're assigning too much work. It's like you think that this is the only class that I have to take. Like if reading 40 pages a week for one class is too much for you, I really hope that your ambitions for education pursuits stop <laughs> at the undergraduate level. Because in graduate school, I was reading like Anywhere from three to five hundred pages a week. Oh man! How, oh, I have a question for you then. How many credits did you take oh, a gosh, semester? What was the number? I want to say it was like fifteen or sixteen. No, no. I'm not kidding. And ours wait, was wait, a, wait, wait. Ours wait. was a quarter system. We'd be taking three or four or five level credit, five credit courses, and it was a quarter system. Oh, okay. So how many classes were you, would you take a quarter? Three or four. Yeah, that's hardcore. And Especially well, and on the, the graduate level. And here's the thing that's kind of exciting for me to say in terms of my program is the Society of Industrial Organizational Psychologists, SIOP, uh, ranked my program top five in the nation for curriculum. Wow. And that sounds cool. It does. But basically what it means is we did three years of graduate coursework in a year and a half. And so they just crammed it down our throats. One of my classes was basically a 21-page research paper. I had a week to write it. That's insane. A week? Yeah. He, we, the midterm was a bunch of questions, and we had to answer these questions based off of the research, and it was about 21 to 23 That's pages. That's horrible. And so I think... Now, this goes both ways because professors need to be a little bit more understanding in the sense that, yeah, you haven't been to graduate school yet. You don't know what the workload's like. But students need to realize, too, that teachers that let them coast through their coursework and just let them breeze through without having any kind of challenge do not prepare their students for graduate school in any way, shape, or form. Um, That's right. Are you, you listening, professors? And students. Yeah, but... Wait, which which angle are you taking it from? Professors challenge your students, or yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like that's it's well documented. The hardest teachers, yeah, they don't score the highest on student evaluations, but the research has shown that students learn more and retain more information from the teachers that challenge them, as opposed to the teachers who spoon feed them and just let them coast through their mm -hmm. coursework. So the reason why I mentioned that whole dynamic is because, yes, I was reading like three to 500 pages a week while trying to do a statistical analysis projects, while trying to write research papers, while trying to um, cope and deal and accept my son's diagnosis for autism, while trying to um, help and support a pregnant wife, while trying to work part-time, while trying to... You were working part-time? Mm-hmm. Most people, I would say, I haven't looked at any research on this or any statistics or anything, but I'd say most people in grad school probably just focus full-time on grad school. I had to work. I had to provide. I had to didn't, get some kind of income. Didn't you take out loans? Oh, yeah. It's California, man. <laughs> California. It's, like, no, I had to work, and even still the loans weren't enough to cover everything. And so, I mean, anyway, um, so... My two years of graduate school and my cohort will tell you I was a freaking nervous wreck, just constantly trying to stay on top of my studies. And the thing that just really helped me decompress my stress and get out of my chaotic life was Star Wars Battlefront 1. Really? I, I would play... I've heard, you know what, I have heard that a number of surgeons and people in really high stress jobs, lawyers, things like that, to decompress... They'll throw on a video game. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's kind of like, uh, what's that TV show with Kevin Spacey? House of Cards. House of Cards. He'll kind of let his steam out by uh, playing Call of Duty or something. Yep. Yeah. No, that, and that's, I mean, Star Wars Battlefront 1, I mean, my friends, uh, who did I play that game a lot with? Matt Cramner, Paul West, um, Nate Hatterley, Aaron Hatterley, um, 
gosh, I'm going to feel like a jerk if I forget someone. Joseph and Dan Morley. Um, you know, these are all people that I would I would play online with. Saturday and Sunday mornings were just like my haven. I knew I had a day where I was going to be reading all day long. And I would just take a couple hours and play. And I still managed to have time with my family too. But it was, it was awful, dude. It was hard. So Star Wars Battlefront 1 was just... A great decompressor, and the I I think Star Wars Battlefront One, and I know people who are listening to this who are fans are going to think I'm an idiot, but I think Star Wars Battlefront One is better than the one that they just made. That just came out. Mm-hmm. Well, it came out a while ago, but and apparently they've made all these new updates and everything to it. But I just wasn't impressed with it when it first came out, and my loyalty was still to the to the first one. But yeah, that was a nostalgic game for me. Tell me real quick about, because I'm looking at your list right here. Tell me a little bit about Outlast. We talked about Outlast before, didn't we? In one of our podcasts? We did. Did we post that? Tell me about Duke Nukem. I'm not going to tell you about that one. Tell me about, because it's a bit, (laughs) it has some naughty parts. It's bad. Tell me about (laughs) Mario Party 2. Dude, everyone says Mario Party 2. Mario Party 1. No, number 2 was way better. No, 1 was better because it actually it caused you physical harm by playing it. Because remember those games where you'd have to spin the uh oh. the and break your controller, joystick. break your controller, you, the joystick, that's right. And so you would have to kind of put your palm on the joystick and then you'd have to I don't remember that one. I it Mario hurt. Party 2 is oh, dude. So why would try to convince me that Mario Party 2 is better than Mario Party 1. I'd have to go back and play Mario Party 1 again, dude. Just... Oh, it sounds like you're not that confident. It sounds to me like you're remembering things wrong. I played Mario Party 1. It wasn't worth my memory space, so I got rid of it, and Mario Party 2 is way better. Wow. Spoiled. Spoiled? Go on. How is that spoiled? <laughs> How have I gotten what I wanted from that? <laughs> What's the word? It doesn't. It sounds to me like you're not very. Uh, you don't know what the freak you're talking about, Kevin. I just remember this. I remember never having played Mario Party Two. Oh, oh, and oh! So sounds Mario like you're Party not very. One is better. S- sounds like you're not very uh, confident. <laughs> you freaking! Oh my gosh! What were some of your favorite games in Mario Party? Bumper balls, where you're on top of the. Each character is on top of their own like ball, beach and ball, you and you have run to into each other, bounce each other off a cliff. Yeah, that was that was intense. The other thing too is they have these scenarios, and maybe they have this in Mario Party One. I can't remember, but Mario Party Two they have these. Uh, I, they're not called duels. What are they called? Special challenges, and one of them is called Bowser's Big Blast. And there's this bomb set on a top part, and you have like. What are those things called where you push the lever down and it detonates the bomb? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't anyway, know what those are called. They have like a green, silver, pink, yellow, red, blue, purple, and you have to walk up to one of those levers and hope that you don't push the one that's going to blow you up. So you push the lever, and if it wasn't the lever that's going to set the bomb off, the nose kind of just, what's that called? Exhales through the nose dust comes out of the nose so you know you're safe Mm. but if you push the lever that is going to detonate the bomb his eyes start counting down from three to one and then they blow up but mario party 2 i actually uh we have some good friends sean and sarah lynn hampton and sean uh has this device where we can play nintendo 64 games and we play mario party 2 together when they're up and it is so fun what about Speaking of another Mario game, Mario Kart. Mario Kart for Nintendo 64. Yeah. I remember when that came out, because I grew up with a Super Nintendo, and we had Super Nintendo Mario Kart. <laughs> the way that you're sitting, it's like you're just posturing. You seem aggressive right now. You seem like you're still hurting from me. It's hot in here. Being upset about Mario Kart. <laughs> Open up the door. It's hot. But why it's like you're you're I'm turned towards you so I can make eye contact. You're o- you're like over me in a way. Is that a fat it's joke? It's threatening. <laughs> Called you out on that one, didn't I, KPK? Listen, 
So I remember Mario Kart and Super Don't Nintendo, which subject. is one of the best. No, I'm going back to the subject. <laughs> one of the best games on the Super Nintendo is Mario Kart, right? Everyone knows Mario Kart for the most part. Your different Mario Kart, Mario uh, characters, and your you just race each other, right? When with the 64 one, look at me, be serious. This is a serious topic. So when Mario Kart 64 came out, I remember thinking. I had no idea graphics could ever be this good. <laughs> I specifically rem- remember playing the Donkey Kong level when the sun kind of sets and you jump off of this. What are those things called that boost you? You know what I'm talking about. Like when you run on top of them, it gives you an a- added I boost. Go. Yeah. I was always Wario. You were Wario? Mm-hmm. It seems about right. Yeah. Another jab at my... <laughs> no, because <laughs> he's... what was the advantage of wario i just thought he was this funny he was just funny you know what's interesting about wario you flip the w and it's mario isn't that interesting it's so interesting and he's like evil He's like a bad Mario. Yeah. Aren't they twins? I don't think that there's a really a story behind it. Mario. Who's your character? Um, Peach. <laughs> <laughs> Toad. Uh, Koopa Troopa. For 64? Wait, on 64, he wasn't on 64, was he? No. Yeah, that was Super Nintendo. 64, um, name some of the characters. Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Bowser, Wario. I think that's all of them. No, you're missing some. Who? I don't know. Mario, Luigi, Peach, Toad, Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Wario, Bowser. There's eight. There's at least <clears> ten. <throat> There's at least ten. Look I'm it up. Sick of this. I'm gonna well, this well, right now. So while you're looking this up, I want to tell you, um, one of my favorite games, right? One of my favorite games is Castlevania. And in Castlevania, you are in Castlevania Four on Super Nintendo. You're Simon Belmont, part of the Belmont clan. You're destined to fight vampires, kill Dracula, because Dracula comes back to life. Every, I don't know how many centuries or something like that, but it, it falls to the Belmonts to destroy Dracula in order to save the world. And that game is so hard. You are, it's a side scroller, so you have all these monsters and everything going at you, trying to kill you. You have your whip, and you have to kill all these monsters, or else they'll kill you. And then you have to solve certain puzzles. But that's more in the 64 one, isn't it? Did you ever play Castlevania on the 64? I never played that one. It was really scary, actually. What? So what are the characters? List them off. Okay. Just like I said, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Toad, Yoshi, Bowser, Wario, Donkey Kong. Eight. I think there are some secret characters that you can unlock. No, there's not. <laughs> that seems really... S- Kevin, this is when the most people that you could play on one screen was four. That's true. That was also pretty revolutionary, though. But So tell me about... <laughs> so really quick, I want to talk about, before you leave, when Final Fantasy VII... Listen, here's a, here's a little story I'll tell you before you go to sleep. Gather, gather around, everybody. Oh my gosh. I was on a sleepover at Hiram Anderson's house gather around and i remember so i grew up with nintendo right and he had a playstation so i went over to their sleepover and i remember he had a playstation and he had a playstation magazine and i remember thinking and oh and he had he had final fantasy 7 and it's an iconic image it's cloud the main character with the buster sword on his back and the buster sword is like the size it's like the sword the size of a human and it's just a huge sword. And I remember thinking when we were playing that game, because the game also swore in it, 
I know. And I remember thinking, this game, this is a big boy game. <laughs> I distinctly remember thinking, like, PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII, this is for big boys. And... <laughs> And, uh, but I, that game, <laughs> okay, I think, <laughs> are we done? No. Oh, oh, whoa. Keep going. Well, let's see. What time is it right now? Who cares? Just finish your story. I want to be That's here. That's true. Continue to neglect your family. So, no, I Final, don't you put it that way. Final Fantasy VII. Doesn't sound that bad. It's, <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy VII was amazing. Is amazing. And did you turn it off? No, I just made sure I didn't turn it off. Because we can't make another mistake. Because <laughs> if we have to do this again, we're going to be a long night. <laughs> um, but so Final Fantasy VII. I don't know. I don't know how to explain Final Fantasy VII. It's a very complicated story. Beautiful music. Interesting characters. It's not as good as Final Fantasy VI on the Super Nintendo. It's not even debatable. Some people will say it's debatable, but they're wrong. And uh, But anyways, that, that game was revolutionary. And it was, it was just a big boy game. Because it had swear words in it. It had swear words in it. There were guns in it. But I mean, in 007 there were guns, but there was something just big boy about PlayStation that isn't Nintendo. Nintendo's more family friendly. PlayStation was like... We're catering to the big boys. We're catering to, you know, college age. Um, we're going to have some more nitty-gritty on our system. They had the game. Oh, another game that they at, I played at Hiram's house was called Medieval. I haven't heard of these games. Well, I've heard you're, of Final Fantasy. but it... You're a skeleton. You start off in a graveyard, and you just fight the undead. See... It's just, it's grown-up stuff, man. It's just a different level. Your little smile after you said that. <laughs> you really need to get these recorded so people can see your mannerisms. Should, like, eventually, if I ever have a job, if I ever become a speech therapist, and I get money, and I get my own place, um, I would like to have a studio, you know, where you can record it, post that up on YouTube, and have at least 15, 20 people watching. That'd be sweet, dude. I think a spider just crawled on me. What? Last night. Was it last night? Out of section yeah, here? you told me you had freaking hobo spider. There was a on hobo spider on my bed, and I almost slept in my car because I was so scared that I, I killed it, but I was just scared there'd be another one. I can't. I couldn't sleep in that bed if that happened. I, ugh. I know. You didn't sleep in it last night. Or the night before. That's right. I should probably change that. <laughs> so pick a game on your list before you leave. Well, I mean... You have quite a list. I do. So there's a lot. So I guess, from. you know, we... Uh, in case you guys didn't know, we lost 45 minutes. I think we've said that. <laughs> our like, discussion. We've said that so many times, yeah. So I guess what I want to do is just give a final shout-out to I'm just going to read through all the games that I have loved playing. Some of these we talked about in the last one. Something that we I don't think we did talk about though. I do want to specifically talk about this game because we did spend okay. a lot of time talking about it. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll I'll go through my list too like super fast. Yeah. Like, I'm not even like going to talk about. It. I'm just going to read them off. But first though, the game that got it all started for me was GoldenEye. And to anybody, GoldenEye 64 and we spent really good considerable time talking about Sorry, I did that pen thing again. Uh, we spent good time talking about uh, just the memories of, you know, even just bringing the game to school to show yeah. your friends. And I, I snuck. It was my older brother's game, so he bought it. And But before school started, before the bus came, I remember taking it because I made sure that my older brother, Steven, left for school first. <laughs> and then I went downstairs because that's where our 64 was. And I took this 007 GoldenEye from the 64, put it in my backpack, and I just took it to school just to show people, this is it. This is GoldenEye. 
and then I put it back in my backpack, went back home, made sure I got there before Steve got there, and I put it back. It was safe. It was safe. Goldeneye sleepover parties with friends, uh, the pencil, Soviet. Soviet gun looked like a pencil. Such good memories. Well, I guess as far as I'll go, I'm just going to read my list of games. Uh, I'd be curious to know if uh, anybody else agrees or disagrees with this list. Um, Duke Nukem, Warcraft 2, Starcraft, Warcraft 3, Starcraft 2, Goldeneye, Age of Empires 2, Perfect Dark, Mario Party 2, Streets of Rage 2, Smash Brothers Melee, Medal of Honor, mm. uh, the Halo series, Doom 3, Resident Evil 2, Black Ops 2, Dead by Daylight, Star Wars Battlefront, L.A. Noir, Outlast, Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2, Freedom oh. Fighters, nice. Everything or Nothing, Ghost Recon Wildlands, Mario Kart, General Chaos. Uh... Those. And you have the other list over there. Uh, I I actually just took this. List oh, okay. And, and then, then you just was like, okay, these are the ones there. that I talk about. But yeah, when we were, Kevin asked me to think about some of my favorite games, and it started out with top ten, and then we narrowed it down to top five, and that was just extremely difficult. But yeah, those are the list of games that uh, have stuck with me for quite a long time in terms of games that I've really liked to play. Those are all great games. Um, and so here, here's my list. I'm gonna just just go. Final Fantasy three on Super Nintendo. Final Fantasy seven. Final Fantasy eight. Final Fantasy nine on the first PlayStation. Castlevania four on Super Nintendo. Castlevania sixty four. Um, Super Mario sixty four. What I loved about that game, because I never got super far in that game, but on the sixty four, that what was so revolutionary about that game and so imaginative was. You go into this castle, and each level, you will jump through a painting. So maybe you'll see this big painting, you jump into the painting, and then you're in that world. And I just thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, GoldenEye, uh, Resident Evil 1 on the GameCube, Super Mario, um, no, Super Smash Bros. on the 64. Melee was way better, but on the 64, I remember when that came out, there was a cool commercial for it with the song, uh, me and you and you and me. (laughs) And there are all these characters. Somebody was dressed up as Pikachu. Somebody was dressed up as Mario and they were just fighting each other. And I thought it was hilarious. And, um, some of my other favorite games. Oh man. Tomb Raider. I love Tomb Raider. Lara Croft was like, a, in a lot of ways, even cooler than Indiana Jones. She was awesome. Um, and I The like, Rise of the Tomb Raider, the one that came out like, uh, I never played ten years one. ago. I liked, I liked the uh, the old. I like the newer. Actually, I like the newer Lara Croft. I think she is, well, one she's, she's like college age. And older, like in two or thirties, she's just more human. In the Tomb Raider with, in the PlayStation One, the PS One, she's just she has no like vulnerabilities. She's just like this superhuman. But in the newer ones, Lara Croft, she has like fears. She's scared to do certain things, but she still overcomes those fears. Mm. So she's really cool. But, um. I know I'm missing a lot of stuff right now. Warcraft 2. Um, oh, what's it called? Silent Hill. I oh, love Silent Hill. Creepy. Super creepy game. And then there's this game called Parasite Eve. And it was made by the same people who made Final Fantasy, Squaresoft. And they... It's just this... You're a reporter, you know, you're a cop in New York named, I think your name was Evie? Parasite what? Eve. Parasite Eve. And it was, it started out as a book in Japan and then they made it into a game and you're a detective, first day on the job and this virus breaks out 
and it's just it's kind of a mix of Resident Evil and Final Fantasy. If you it's like survival horror slash Japanese RPG. Oh, speaking of Japanese RPGs, Earthbound on Super Nintendo. I haven't heard of that one either. Um, Zelda: Link to the Past. Zelda Link's Awakening. What was cool about that was that they had a lot of free range to just kind of do whatever they wanted with that. So they mixed. So the person who created Shigeru Miyamoto, who created Zelda, he also created Mario. He also created Star Fox. He also created Donkey Kong. That guy just kind of let them have free reign to create a Zelda game where they also had. It was it was kind of like a fever dream. Link arrives. There's a shipwreck. He arrives on this island named Kohalent, and there's a giant egg on top of a volcano, and it's just like a fever dream. It's just bizarre, hmm. and you solve puzzles, and you go through dungeons, and you get cool, cool little uh, tools and stuff like that. <laughs> but, but yeah, those are some of my favorite games. Oh, Pokemon Blue. When Pokemon Blue came out, <laughs> that game changed my life, changed Dan Griffin's life as well. Pokemon Blue, man. I started Pokemon off with Blue. the Squirtle. That was my first Pokemon. My only exposure to Pokemon was Smash Brothers. That was sweet when they introduced Pokemon in, into that, the Pokemon levels. Well, even the Pokeball as a weapon that you could use against your enemies. As, yeah, that was a formidable weapon. <laughs> Because you could get a Snorlax that would take up most of the screen. Well, he just drops and hits everybody in sight. Yeah. Yeah, it was annoying. Good times. Good times indeed. We're waxing nostalgic, and uh, Dev has to get back to his family. Um, Pleasure talking about some of the best memories of my life. Mm-hmm.